This is Moral of the Story. Interesting people telling their favorite short stories and then breaking them down to understand what makes them so good. I'm your host, Max Chapovsky. On today's episode, we have Raja Nimani. Raja is a rare cat. A serial entrepreneur with a business mind and a passion for the arts, design, and community. This dichotomy has served them well. After graduating from Northwestern University and serving a four-year tour of duty in finance and private equity, he went backpacking around the world. While traveling in Argentina, Raja met Aaron Firestein, who would later become his co-founder at Bucket Feet, a community-based fashion platform selling shoes custom-designed by artists from all over the world. Bucket Feet grew to over 40,000 artists across 120 countries before it was acquired by Threadless in 2017. Raja, no stranger to new experiences, then moved his young family to LA, where he co-founded Marketer Hire, which pairs the world's top remote marketing talent with clients like Netflix and Allbirds. Once again, he's on a roll, having raised two rounds of financing and accelerated by the remote work revolution, growing like crazy. Raja, my friend, welcome to the show. Thanks. Good to be here. That was a, that was a great intro. Thanks, man. Well-deserved. I didn't even mention your TED Talk, which is like, for most people, that would be a headline. And for you, it's just like a postscript. So before we get into it, is there anything we should know about the story? This story was, it was a very defining experience in my life. Um, um, it, it happened when I went on said backpack trip around the world. And it's, it's uh, the lesson that I take away, at least, is, is something that I remind myself of almost every day and, and grounds me. So, so it's a very personal um, story and experience that I had. Perfect. Uh, I can't wait. Let's get into it. Cool. Awesome. So um, as you said, uh, after, <laughs> after a stint in finance, I, I decided to quit my job and backpack around the world. Um, I, I did that pretty much nonstop for about a year and a half, um, you know, going to every continent except for Antarctica and, and you know, over 30 countries. Um, I ended up living abroad for, for about two years altogether before coming back to the U.S. to start Bucket Feet. Um, so obviously had all these amazing experiences, met all these amazing people. Um, but one experience probably stands above most, most of my life, quite frankly, and, and I, I didn't I didn't even know it was a defining moment at the time. Um, it was only something that I that I realized later. So as part of my trip, I, I went to Nepal. Uh, I found a guide, a proctor, and I said, hey, I want to go trekking in the Himalayas. And, and you know, most people do this in big groups. So it was kind of unique already that, that I was alone. <laughs> and I was like, I just want to go. I need a guide to take me. And so I was assigned a guide. His name was Prakash. Uh, Nepali um, to to meet me in this town of Pokhara um, um, outside of Kathmandu, uh, which is kind of a jumping off point, a popular jumping off point to start to trek, hike, climb in in the mountains and and this particular mountain range in the Himalayas that I was I was near and, and going to was the Annapurna range. And so for two weeks, him and I were camping together, staying in like little like guest houses that were in the mountains run by, you know, Tibetans and Nepalis that lived in the mountains. And again, uniquely, it was just the two of us. So, you know, we would talk and learn about each other. And, you know, I found that Prakash was the exact same age as me at the time. We were 27. I'm, I'm a lot older now. Um, but our lives were completely different, right? Like I, I was kind of, you know, um, doing this as this fun trip. And Prakash, this is what he did seven days a week 
to, you know, make enough money to, to send back to family living in Kathmandu. Like he, he never saw his, his wife, his kids, any of that stuff. And so we were getting near the end of the, of the trek and, you know, we, we'd kind of gotten to know each other pretty well. I mean, spending that much time together, you know, just the two of you. And he said something to me that, that again, later, you know, ended up being one of the most impactful things that, that I had ever heard. And he said, just out of the blue, you're, you're so lucky. And I said, you know, what do you mean? And, you know, his English wasn't great. So it wasn't always like he was expressing exactly what he meant. And he said, well, you're so lucky. Like, I don't, I don't you know, we've been talking about this. I don't get how you are able to take this trip. You know, um, you're, you're very lucky. And I said, well, no, you know, I, I, I worked hard. I, I worked really hard. I saved a lot of money. You know, I kind of took offense to that. Um, and because of that, you know, I was able to do this and, and I'm proud of that. And he said, no, like you're really lucky. Um, and I dug back in and I said, no, you know, like you don't know anything about me. And, and we all, we started getting angry at one another. I said, you know, my, my parents came from tiny villages in India. You know, my mom was 11th of 11 kids, you know, grew, growing up in, in a, in a tiny house. My dad, you know, classic immigrant story, literally came to this country with, you know, a hundred bucks in his pocket. Um, um, a crazy story, but not necessarily a unique story for, for a lot of immigrants. Um, and made something of himself, worked hard, gave us this life. We worked hard. And because of all of that, because what I thought he was saying was, oh, I just like kind of had it easy. And, and, you know, I, I know my family's history and, and I was trying to make a point that no, you know, you know, like we worked really, really hard to get from A to get to B to get to C, etc. And that was like the end of our relationship. Like that was literally like the last day or two. Um, and it left this really bad taste in my mouth. And I, and I didn't appreciate what Prakash was saying. And so I kind of went off on my travels. I don't even know what country or continent I was in, you know, um, a few weeks, about a month later. And I was watching TV and it was an old interview with Warren Buffett. And they were asking him, you know, Warren, Mr. Buffett, what do you attribute most of your success to? You know, is it, you know, you studied hard, you worked hard, you have a kind of an affinity for the markets, for money. You know, your dad was a businessman. You learned from a young age, all of these things. And he said, no, he said, I, and he, he, he talks about this concept as the ovarian lottery. He said, you know, where I was born, who I was born to when I was born is the biggest factor in my success. You know, and, and, and then all of a sudden it hit me because, you know, what he was saying was, you know, the single thing we literally have no choice of in our lives, you know, where we're born, when we're born, who we're born to is the single has the single greatest impact on our life than anything else. Right. And, and, you know, he even went on to say, if, if I was born in, you know, a slum in, in Bangladesh, I wouldn't be Warren Buffett. You would know, nobody would know my name. It, it isn't as if I could have accomplished the same things being born there versus being born in the U.S. You know, obviously like hard work and grit and, and all of these other things play a factor. But like ultimately, if you're, if you're born there, you know, it, it's a, a billion times harder to even get close to where, where he ended up. And I thought immediately of Prakash and, and that story and, and what he was trying to explain to me. I was 27. He was 27. I was backpacking around the world for fun, right? Like just for fun. Like it didn't even matter. And he had a wife, two kids that he never saw for seven days a week, 
sending money back. And, you know, we kind of looked the same. We were the same age, you know, same color skin, same height, everything. And, and I was able to be in that position pretty much because I was lucky enough that my parents immigrated to the U.S. and I was born in the U.S. And then I had all these opportunities in life that, that kind of led me there. Um, so I don't take for granted the, the power of hard work. Um, um, and, and, you know, um, trying to do new things and learning and all these things. But I also have a much, because of Prakash, because of that story, because of that interview I saw that kind of tied it all together, I have a much bigger appreciation both for, for luck in my life, um, and, and being, whenever I'm really stressed, you know, and, and start starting a company or dealing with employees or whatever, dealing with family, um, really remembering like at the end of the day, I am lucky. A lot of us, a lot of people I know, you know, in this country are luckier than 99% of other people on this planet. And and so it gives me a a deep sense of appreciation, but then also it gives me a deep sense of understanding of others, right? Others that aren't at your level or at a bigger level, at a greater, greater level or at a lesser level or have accomplished less, you know, trying to have more empathy and understanding for why, Right. And, and you can't hold it against somebody in, in the same way that, you know, you can't say, oh, well, you were born wealthy. Like and, and so like that's why you can't hold it against them either. Like they didn't they didn't choose that. They just happened to do it. And so I really think about like, OK, you know, where do people where do people come from? How does that impact where they are, who they are? Um, but then what do they do with that? Right. And, and some people do more with with that and some people do less. And obviously there's a spectrum there. Um, but. But, you know, like that, that conversation with him and looking back on that conversation with him is literally a conversation I think about almost every day in my day to day and, and try to remind myself of, especially in those really like tough moments in life that we all face, that we're all going to face forever. Like we're going to, for a fact, I know we're all going to have really tough moments. Um, and I just remind myself of how, how lucky I am. What a good story. He was almost like your teacher in a sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and I don't know that he thought about it so, so deeply. Right. But it was, but it was so simple to him that, that how else could somebody be doing this thing? Right. Um, and without knowing any of my history, my history didn't matter. Um, you know, almost the, the function of the fact that it, my life had even gotten to a point that I could do that. He, he knew, he knew it um, because his life was so different. Did you reconnect with him? Did you ever reach out to him again? So, so I, 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 I kind of stayed in touch with him a little bit. Um, and then I, I, my, my timeline's getting a bit messed up. But, um, you know, a few years later is when the, that big earthquake happened, if you remember, um, in that, you know, had a catastrophic effect on, on Nepal. Um, and so a lot of people were displaced and homes were displaced. And, and so my, my wife and I, and, and I'm trying to remember again the timeline. I, th- I think we were married by then. Uh, but my wife and I, um, I was able to track him down and, and I was able to, we were able to find, and this is something I learned from my father-in-law who's, who's done a lot of, he's a lot of charitable stuff in, in Southeast Asia where, where my wife is from. Um, able to track him down and able to, you know, give what we could both to him and, and for him to hopefully like distribute to, to other families, you know, in, in need, not, not some like wasn't millions of dollars, obviously, but, but, um, something to hopefully help him get back on his feet. 
um, um, and help like other families kind of get back on their feet. Did you ever tell him the impact that he had on you? Uh, you, you know, I mean, I, I kind of lost touch with him after and, and I'd love to sit here and say I did. Uh, and my wife has asked me that same question, like, like you should have. And, and so, um, after that, I tried to kind of reconnect with him, et cetera. But, um, you know, like, I don't know if he checks email often. I don't even know if it's the same email. Um, I don't know if it's his email. I don't, I don't know if he has a computer. And unfortunately, I haven't been able to, to kind of reconnect him after that, that second time I, I did reconnect with him to, to tell him because my, my wife said, you should, you should tell him. Um, because it, it it's, I mean, I doubt he believes that this guy that he met, you know, remembers his name and talks about him. You got to reach out. <laughs> I, I, I will. You have I will, to. I will, I, will, I will try again. Yeah, I, I tried for, I mean, for a long time. And, and yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't able to. You know, the, the interesting thing that I thought about when you talked about uh, learning empathy and understanding from him was a sense of appreciation that you also have for your circumstances, right? Like it, if you think about having no control over the fact over where you're born and what kind of circumstances you're born into, think about the odds that you beat of even being born, right? Like even that, which obviously, you know, 99.99% of people I think take for granted just because like, what are you going to do? Think about the fact that you were born like that's fantastic, but it's a sense of appreciation that I think is the single biggest antidote to entitlement and complacency, right? Like in this world, I was talking to somebody recently who said to me, uh, because I was sharing with him some of my thoughts and struggles over the last year. And he said, you know, the fact that you have the freedom to be able to decide what's next for you and the fact that you haven't gone backwards is already a step in the right direction. Yeah. Think about the circumstances that most other people are in. Like appreciation is something that I think I've been able to get more of over the last year, just given the circumstances. And it yeah. sounds like that's kind of what he was helping you to get to. Yeah. And, and this year has been tough for everyone and, and, you know, nothing, you know, uh, things don't make sense without context. And, and so it isn't about, Oh, well, I, you know, I, I was kind of given, you know, rotten luck and, and being complacent. It, it isn't that it isn't, it isn't, uh, resting on your laurels. It, 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 it's just really, Context, context for your own life, and and for for most of us, I think in this country, our peers, it's it should be appreciation because we we are very very lucky, right? Mm-hmm. Comparatively, um, um, and then other and then also just understanding of other people, right? We 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 tend to judge uh, whether somebody accomplished this or that or didn't or where they are in life or how they are. Um, without taking that extra context like where would we be if if given given the same circumstances and again it's not an excuse because you know two people may be born very similarly um have get on different very different paths 
but it's just it's just you know um, creating more understanding and context, which, which hopefully with that you can do more with it. You, you know, if you're in a business and you you know data is useless without context, right? It's kind of the same thing here. Uh, it, so it's funny. I'm watching this show on Netflix uh, called Formula One. Like, I'm oh, I love I love that show. Obsessed. I, with I'm it. obsessed with that show. <laughs> obsessed with it. <laughs> so it's such an interesting parallel like you can have all the skill in the world as a driver but if you're not in the mercedes car you're not as likely to finish in to podium right like so luck you have no control over the car really yeah it's luck yeah but also i mean even taking that a step further you know lewis hamilton talks about this being the only you know black driver in formula one i mean there's 20 seats there's only 20 seats Right. So like, who knows this incredible kid that's supposed to go, go on and win 10 Formula One championships one day that never gets a shot. Like yeah. we'll never get a shot. They never discovered, never had the opportunity. The most talented driver in the world probably isn't in Formula One right now. Right. Yes. Yeah. I, I love thinking about that. Yeah. It's funny you brought up immigration. So I, I wasn't born in the US. I was born in the Ukraine. And I think just thinking about luck, if my parents had not immigrated to the US, not an exaggeration, I literally might be dead. Yeah. The reason is because there's a war in the east yeah. of Ukraine and all men that are able-bodied of age, they just get consigned. Yeah. And so, and literally, and the Ukrainian forces are totally outnumbered, outgunned, like outskilled and everything. And they, that war has been going on for years now, you know? So. Yeah thinking about luck, it's actually kind of, you know, you can go down a real rabbit hole, like, (laughs) which is, which is good. I think the bottom line is you become more appreciative. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, I mean, and it's not even about then thinking about the what ifs and craving the other thing. It's just, again, it's just, you know, having all the context to understand your own life and others' lives. And, and hopefully, yeah, for me, it, it just, Honestly, it's the best reminder. Whenever for me, the way it works is if I'm having a tough time, I immediately like think about that. And I'm like, okay, like things are fine. Like I'll be fine. (laughs) Things are okay. For sure. For sure. So you've, you've talked about this, but, but I'm going to ask you the actual question. What is the moral of that story for you? Um, I mean, I, I think if I'm even defining the moral right, but I think that the moral is maybe it's two things for me. It's one, you know, just simply the lesson that the most important thing that happens in our lives is, is this is the one thing we literally have zero control over. Um, um, and, and because of that, um, you know, if you're here, um, you know, I, I always relate it to being born in the U S because, you know, the U S is just better off than most countries. Um, um, like if you were happen to be born in the U S you, 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 you should have a lot of appreciation. You should understand how lucky you are. You should understand that a lot of people in the world, you know, the majority of the world are far removed from that, you know, that sense of a, a starting point in life. Um, um, and I hope it, you know, it, it creates just more, you know, understanding between people, you know, different cultures, different places, all, all of that stuff. That's lofty. I like that. Uh, I will say this as a counter, as yeah, a counter please. argument, being born in what we, what we might call suboptimal conditions, 
right, into into not great circumstances doesn't guarantee that you won't be successful because Jay-Z grew up in Marcy Projects. All it does is it stacks the odds way, way against you. Yeah, yeah. Conversely, being born into insane wealth and privilege also is not a guarantee of success. It just it it puts the odds in your favor completely. So it's it's not impossible, but it is it's much more improbable. No, completely, and and it is not a reason to be complacent. And and Jay Z, or as your example, or, or anyone else, right? Like that. There's so many counter examples. Um, but I always think about. But there's thousand. There's way more people that didn't get there, and maybe they would have um, if they had had a shot. And so. It's important to give people shots. It's important now as we're getting older and, and you know doing different things. You know, I always think about that. How do I give people more shots? You know, how, how do I how do I you know try to level the playing field? Uh, I think that's really important. For sure. If we think about now that story itself. Yep. You've told it. I mean, it's your favorite story. You said it's the it's it's the most impactful story that you keep going back to. What do you think makes that story so good from a structural perspective? Um, I, I, I think <laughs> it's a good question. Nobody's ever nobody's ever asked me that. I, I mean, this isn't necessarily structural. I, I think because it's a personal story and, and a real story and, and a real thing that kind of happened, um, and I can kind of tell it, you know, from my point of view that that makes it um, that makes it successful. I, I, I think that. It's an easy thing that literally everyone on planet Earth can relate to in some way. It's not like I'm not telling a story about baseball where I don't I used to love baseball. I don't really care about baseball anymore. So somebody's telling me a story about baseball. Like, uh, I mean, you already lost, you know, 90 percent of your audience potentially. Right. Um, so it's, it's literally, you know, a, a story about kind of the human condition that, that I, I think everyone can relate to. Um, um, and, and I think that like the, the concept that, you know, it, it's a thing that happened to me maybe, but that then I had this other thing happen or, or I experienced, you, you know, that, that Warren Buffett interview, um, that it, it, when you're able to like kind of connect two disparate things into the same thing, maybe, maybe that, you know, kind of adds some value there. Um, it's a good question. I haven't, I haven't thought about that. Well, that's what the podcast is. Uh, you know, one thing that, that I think of is, well, so you mentioned two things, which I think are both totally valid. First is um, applicability. It's a wide audience. So it, immediately you increase the chances of engagement because it's a really good story first. And um, second, it is a, um, uh, how, how should I say? It's, it's real. It happened to you, right? Um, the other thing, which I think is really interesting and actually really important for a good story, is there is a character arc. So you started with one mindset, and he uh, asked you a question that made you very defensive. And to you, the ridiculousness of the question was equaled by his perspective of it as an entirely plausible question. Like, why... Why can't you understand that you're so lucky? And so that set up the conflict between you and him. And then over time, you know, it took you a month or so. Then you thought about it and realized that actually 
oh my gosh, not only was he right, but also it's an ent- it's causing this entire shift in my perspective. So that's a character arc. You started in one place with one set of beliefs, and then you ended in a different place with a, with an arguably better set of beliefs. Yeah, that that's I've never thought about it that way, but. Um framing it with as a character arc like in a movie or in a book um um and and those are the stories we remember and care about and and the ones that win awards i guess um yeah that's a great point i I think that's right i I think that's absolutely right and that is what happened um right that is what happened uh if you so if you think of some of the you know the best stories you've heard generally and i know you've heard a ton uh, (laughs) what makes for a good story in your mind I think it starts with the storyteller, maybe. Um, I, I think, you know, if you're able, whether, you know, you're, you're shooting a video um, or, or you're literally writing a book or it's a movie, um, um, I think, I, I mean, it's funny. I don't know if you've been following this whole like Superman thing where, where you know, the, they have the new director's cut for, for Superman, the, the Zack no. Snyder cut or, or whatever. No. Um, it's so interesting whether you think the movie, the original movie is good or bad and the new movie is good or bad. Um, it's amazing what a good storyteller can do to the same story. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so you could have the exact same thing, but if you're reading it with like, you know, you're reading out of a book with, with a certain annotation and, and voice or you're editing a movie in a certain way, um, it can completely change how you make somebody, the, the score is different, right? It can completely yeah. change. Yeah. Um, so, so the, it starts, I think with, with the storyteller, um, um, I think being real is, is really like important, you know, you know, something that, something that, um, resonates, uh, resonates with people. And then I think something that like touches a nerve, um, something that is potentially polarizing a little bit, because ironically, I, I think everyone wouldn't necessarily have the same reaction to what I said. And, and we know this, we see this in society. People, people think everyone is able to pull themselves up by their bootstraps and everyone has the same opportunity and, and like, Oh, like if they didn't do well, like that's all on them. And, it, and it's there. I mean, we see this happening in this country and every country in the world all the time. Um, so something that is, that makes you think that strikes a nerve, good or bad, that you agree or disagree. It's something that doesn't make you agree or disagree. And it's just kind of like indifferent. It isn't isn't a very powerful story, I think. Totally. So you're a dad. Uh, you have a family, and I wonder: Have you ever thought about how you use storytelling personally? Yeah. Uh, uh, so our daughter, um, uh, she's five now. Um, she loves stories. Uh, I mean, like, like when she's eating breakfast, she wants us to tell her a story when she's eating dinner. She wants to tell us a story. Uh, when we're reading books, we, we have these books from, from India that just have pictures. And so you can just literally make up the story. And it was funny, yeah. like sometime last year, you, you know, she started reading a little bit. It was the first time she realized there were no words in the book. She's like, wait a second. You guys have been just making this up each time. <laughs> like, she like realized like, awesome. before that she's never paying attention to the words or the letters or anything. Right. Um, um, she listens to podcasts in the morning. Like, like she, when she wakes up, she'll just like, well, she'll, well, she'll lay there for a while and just listen. I mean, she literally loves stories. I, I think maybe she'll become this, this amazing storyteller. So, um, I'm telling her stories like all the time, like all the time. Um, and awesome. she always wants, 
need to make up new stories. Um, um, and there's a funny story that I find myself, she always asks for this story. And it's a story about, which the, the concept of the story changes all the time, but it's a story about everything land. I tell her about this imaginary place called everything land where like everything exists, but then this evil alien named Mr. Roboto comes to take everything and destroy everything and everything land. And he's doing all these like funny random things. And then eventually the heroine is always her and like Mishka is, I mean, it's almost like King Arthur, right? And, and Mishka is the yeah. person eventually like defeats, defeats, uh, uh, Mr. Roboto in everything land and, and puts everything back to, back to normal. And that, that's a story that that's so great because it's so, uh, I can change it into like whatever I want all the time. But she like wants more stories about that same thing, like it's chapters in a book or it's like different things happening. Um, but it usually for her, it, it usually uh, anything that's funny is like a good story for her. So like but again, like it, it elicits emotion. Right. Um, even at that age, um, you know, she likes funny stories. But that's the story I tell all the time. I mean, I'll probably tell it today with so I'll have to make up some new random thing about everything land. That's such a cool story, though, because it puts her in the driver's seat of somebody that like triumphs over evil. <laughs> yeah. And as she gets older, you can add chapters that can reveal the that the path to victory isn't it is fraught with challenges and set right two yes. steps forward, one yes. step back. That's such a cool story because you can scale it. <laughs> yes, yes. I always I always try to tell her because these are these concepts that I, that I learned much later in life that you know. And she hates to lose. Like she, she, she probably, you know, she like loves to win and she loves seeing other people. Like she does, she wants to win. Like she goes insane when she doesn't win, but I tell her. And so like sometimes she can't do something right away or or she's not successful at it. She gets really like upset. And I always try to tell her to that your point, you know, you're not learning. Like you're literally not learning unless you're failing. Because, right. because if totally. you can already do it, like there's nothing to learn. You're just doing yeah. it. So the only times in life you learn is when you can't do something, you're bad at it, you fail. And at some point in our lives, like that's looked down upon. You know, like if you fail at something or something doesn't work out or go the right, like at, we get to a certain age where that doesn't become a positive thing. It becomes a negative thing. And so I'm trying to instill in her that that is like you, you should crave those experiences because now, now you know you're you're going to learn something that is so insanely important like i literally i hope that if if even one person who's a parent listens to this podcast and gets that takeaway that that to me would be <laughs> uh that's that's success let me because you're so right let's talk about your medium of choice yep. so you have experience with um, audio storytelling with visual storytelling. I mean, you know, bucket feet, the medium was canvas, but it was canvas that happened to be worn by people every day. So when you think about your medium of choice to tell stories, what would that be? I, I mean, uh, I feel like my wife would roll her eyes here, um, but like there's no better time. And I love hearing them in, in these in these circumstances and I love telling them in these circumstances. Um, and it's that like, mutual energy that I kind of feed off of, but a small group of friends, you know, like nighttime, maybe you're having some drinks. Um, I, I feel like the best, some of the best conversations and best stories happen. So I like, I like, I truly enjoy it. And I think it comes out more naturally, 
um, versus kind of being asked to maybe do something um, when you're just, you know, you're, you're having real emotional moments and connections with friends and, and or people that you've just met or, or people that, you know, your guard is lowered. You've gotten comfortable, whether that's outside influences of, of a few drinks or just because <laughs> the, the person has made you uh, uh, comfortable. Um, and I feel like so many lessons I've learned. And then also, I hope some lessons I've imparted, imparted happen in real life, which which obviously this last year has been tough. Not a lot of not a lot of that that real life stuff happening. Um, there's so many things like that. It'll be like a two minute conversation of a story. Maybe somebody says or, or just something they talk about. And those things have like real impacts on us if you really listen and, and you try to think about, you know, what does that mean and, and what are the ramif- ramifications? It's so interesting thinking about those stories because for, I mean, I don't know, hundreds, thousands of years, that is how wisdom was passed down from generation to generation. But what makes it interesting is we now know that memory is malleable, right? I mean, Malcolm Gladwell talked yeah. about it a lot. It's been written about a lot. And so it's, it is at once kind of disconcerting that the medium that has historically been the way to pass knowledge from generation to generation (laughs) is imperfect. And also so impressive that we've gotten so much despite that, the imperfection of that medium. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's interesting to think about because yeah, on the one hand, maybe things didn't happen exactly that way, but maybe the way the story is told imparts a more important lesson. Right. Yeah. If, if maybe, maybe, you know, people remember things perfectly, maybe it wouldn't be as perfect of a lesson. Totally. Um, um, and, and so I'm sure some of that is happening consciously with people and something, some of that is happening subconsciously with people. But yeah, I, I mean, that, that, that's such a good point. I, I think about that a lot that, yeah, like we, we don't, I mean, we have far from perfect memories. Um, right. I, I mean, you, you always, people always joke, I can't remember what I ate for breakfast. Right. I mean, like that tells you. <laughs> right, right then and there. Like ask people what they were doing when the Cubbies won the World Series yeah. and the answer the day after is going to be less exciting than the answer a year later. <laughs> yeah. yeah, You know? Yeah. So books. So we talked about books a little bit. What are some books that you love that that, that really get storytelling right? Um, yeah, I, that, that's a good question. I, I mean, you mentioned Malcolm Gladwell. I've read a lot of his books. I, I think I think he does a great job. Um, something that I've got into. So it, there isn't necessarily a particular author. I, I mean, I, w- I would say like the the categories of books that I tend to read are um, kind of business or business oriented. You know, whether that's like Shoe Dog by, by, by Phil Knight or, you know, the Everything Store, which is about kind of the founding of Amazon to, um, to kind of philosophical. Um, so, so some of the books, my favorite books there, um, just helps me think more about myself and life and things like that are, you know, The Un- Untethered Soul, um, by Mickey Singer, I think is an amazing, beautiful book. Um, a book that I read probably once a month. That's not really even a book. It's like a collection of poems. It's you know one of the most widely circulated books in human history. I think at this point is uh, the Prophet by Halil Gibran. It's a Lebanese poet, um, and it's like you know fifteen twenty poems on different aspects of life. So one is on marriage, and one is on love, and one is on kids, and and all these different. And it's literally like a two two or three page poem 
that's like, oh my goodness. Like he just like, he is able to like distill everything you need to know about this incredibly complex topic into like a couple of pages of coherent, clear, like beautiful thought. Um, so that's a book I, I, you can literally read the whole thing in an hour or two. And I, I read it like almost once a month when I'm just thinking about something in life. Um, and then historical. So, so like books like, you know, guns, germs and seal about like, kind of like, and, and sapiens is kind of a, a simpler version of that book. That book gets pretty <laughs> hard to like follow at, at a certain point. Um, and then like, and, and then like biographies. So, so I recently read, uh, Leonardo da Vinci by, by Walter Isaacson. Um, and that was an incredible book because, you know, we're, we're taught so much and it actually has a lot of parallels to the book I'm reading now, which is called range, um, um, which is another kind of popular book, I think right now. Um, but da Vinci was crazy. Like this guy did so much stuff. We're taught all our lives to like focus. And I, I think it's like in the interest of our employers, or maybe our investors or whatever to say like, do this, do this, do this one thing. It's not necessarily in the interest of us. And it's not necessarily actually the best way to maximize value in all of the things that you're doing. It's actually by learning different things, you know, taking what I maybe took and learned in painting and applying it to engineering or to anatomy the way Leonardo da Vinci did. I, I mean, that guy did so much and and took so many fields so forward it's it's unbelievable but a big takeaway is he was able to only because he did try and do so many things um he never would have taken any of those disciplines as far as he did if he had not done all the other things that to the outsider looked like a distraction um to the outsider he'd be like whoa you're like great at like painting why don't you just focus on painting forever he wouldn't have been the painter he was and he was known for you know, he, he would go down, he would literally like dissect human beings and like learn about muscle anatomy to make his paintings more realistic and atom, anatomically correct. If he d- didn't have that interest in this thing, he wouldn't have been, been known as the painter he was. So he was like the OG portfolio lifestyle. <laughs> yeah. He, I mean, he did everything. Um, and another person, this isn't a book, but I watched the documentary on either on Netflix or HBO on Quincy Jones. That is like one of the most amazing documentaries. And that guy, I mean, he just kind of like, he inspires you, but he also is, it makes you feel like, oh my God, like how did this dude do this much stuff in this short amount of time in right. all these different fields? It's, it's right. incredible. Um, it's very inspiring. I am so excited. You added so many things to my reading list. This is awesome. Um, before we wrap, is there... Anything else that you want to mention about storytelling or anything related to it? I mean, I, I, I think like I, I don't do enough of this. Uh, I don't think a lot, lot of people don't do enough of this. I, I mean, ironically, you know, I, I hope I am a pretty good storyteller, but ironically, like I, I don't I don't call enough pe- people enough and, and I don't just like talk about like life enough you know, you, you only do it again in these like kind of, it feels like it has to be the special moment to do it. Whereas, you know, we have all the time in the world to just kind of pick up the phone and do that and connect with people. And, and so, um, I think the more people that share, um, the more it lets people's guard down, it more lets people like understand we're all very similar. Um, so I guess the, the only thing I'd say is, 
everyone should tell more stories, um, create more stories and tell more stories. Well, I got to tell you why it's important that the story you tell is a personal story is because that shows vulnerability and vulnerability, I think, is how people can connect on a meaningful level. Because if you have your guard up, then then it, it makes you less approachable. And I think vulnerability is the opposite of that. That does it, man. That was awesome. Awesome. Uh, Raja Namani, co-founder and CRO at Marketer Hire. Thank you for being on the show. Thanks so much, man. I appreciate you. If you're looking to hire an experienced marketer, go to marketerhire.com. No job postings, no interviews, no headache. These guys rock. They work with everyone from Netflix to Allbirds to Uber to literally the list of marquee clients goes on and on. Um, for show notes and more, head over to mosspod.org. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, wherever you get your podcast on. This was Moral of the Story. I'm Max Trapofsky. Thank you for listening. Talk to you next time.